The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. You remind me of myself, but you're never angry. I'm angry nearly every day of my life. Women, they, they have minds, and they have souls, as well as just hearts. And they've got ambition, and they've got talent, as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that, that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. I'm so lonely. There are some natures too noble to curb and too lofty to bend. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I am Tobin Addington. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And with us today, we have a very special guest, a returning guest. Our, an all-star guest. An all-star, our literary uh, go-to uh, author and all-around great guy, Derek Heckman. Hello. Hey, Derek. Thanks hey, Derek. for joining us again here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be back on my favorite podcast. Aww. Uh, talking about Talking about yet another movie based on a book. And involving Meryl Streep. <laughs> right. No, it's a real. Right. We've really pigeonholed you. That's all I can be on. All I can do. Um, but I, I'll try and do it well. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Derek, would you tell us um, your history with this film, but also if you have a history with the book, since you are our um, literary expert? I, <laughs> Yes, literary expert is a very... Uh, a very nice title to give me, certainly. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I, I can't live up to it in in this episode. I have not. I have no experience um, with the book. It is it is having seen both this movie and the '94 uh, oh, version. Oh, don't worry, now. we will talk about the '94 <laughs> version. Uh, of course, we will talk about the '94 <laughs> version. I have no doubt in my mind. But um, having seen and like really loved both of those movies. Uh, uh, for for very different reasons and in, in very different ways, the book is now like on um, on my my to read list. Um, but yeah, um, just to go back to my experience with this movie, I saw and absolutely loved uh, Lady Bird when it came out. That was a movie that just just hit on on all cylinders for me. It was exactly the kind of movie I wanted to see. So um, when Greta Gerwig doing this uh, movie was starting to get uh, talked about. Um, I was pretty excited. I was like, oh, I don't know what this is going to be. I didn't know anything about it, but I, I was pretty on board. And my partner, Grace, uh, pumped the brakes and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we do anything, we have to watch the 1994 <laughs> version of this movie. Uh, and she is a very strong advocate of uh, for that movie. Thank you, Grace. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, strong advocate of that movie. Strong advocate that uh, Winona Ryder is the definitive Joe, and that Joe is canonically a brunette. Interesting. <laughs> okay. She, she would. She would. She, she has requested that I put that somewhere in the podcast. Uh, up front, um, yeah. Lead with it. 
up front there it is um but anyway i we watched it and i i really loved it and i just i was so mad at like dumb young like you know teenage to college age derek who certainly would not have picked up a book or watched a movie called little women <laughs> uh and just like just like the the dumb like you know sexism of that like made me really mad because i i loved this story and i loved the characters um and i i felt like like some very some very strong connections to many parts of it um so i i really loved it i was really mad at that younger version of myself um but then yeah as i was so after watching that i was like even more excited to see this version of the movie and i have seen it twice now i saw it once when i was home for christmas with my like two uh childhood best friends we all we just went went to see it and the theater was kind of like 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 sparsely filled i think there were maybe like 10 people other than than us there um and then the second time i i saw it i was back here in boston and i saw it at my local independent theater um and that house was was just oh, oh, just cool. wall-to-wall people um and people were you know laughing out loud they were sobbing you could hear like five different like people go is that Papa yeah. <laughs> came on screen. uh so that was like a really like w- like it, both experiences of seeing the movie were were wonderful in different ways but i i absolutely adored it i thought it, i had a really a really great time watching this movie Excellent. I'm so glad to hear it. How about you, Tobe? I know I have seen the 94 version because you and I watched it together. I was going to say, I know you have seen it. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember bits of it, but I've not seen it since then. I've not returned to Little Women. I've never read the book. Uh, And I saw this movie in a packed theater on a double date with my in-laws, which was really fun. I'm not being facetious. It was really fun. Um, and uh, we, it, it, the crowd was really reactive and it was a small theater there. It was playing at the time in all three movie theaters in Missoula, uh, which oh, was wow. pretty, yeah, which was pretty cool. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, so I saw this uh, and I've only seen it once so far, but I intend to go again and I will hold my thoughts on the movie until a little bit later. Eyes on what's your, uh, what's your history with little women? Sure. Now I, I don't mind taking some time and going on and on a little bit here because when we get to the discussion, it's going to be pretty short because it's perfect. (laughs) Um, So let's really dig in and get comfy. Okay. We're settling in here. I went to the 1994 version in the theater with our mother And that was, contrary to popular belief, I believe, that was the moment I fell in love with 90s Christian Bale. Mm, Okay. Now, I want to be very, very clear (laughs) that I was and still am in love with 90s Christian Bale. (laughs) And that's different than than being a fan of Christian Bale full stop. Sure. I'm a fan of 90s Christian Bale. A very particular brand. I was quite taken with him. Um, also, we've talked about my complex history with Kirsten Dunst. This is very much a part of it. Um, I have been a Samantha Mathis fan for a sure. long time. Um, Broken Arrow, baby. 
Broken air, a uh, thing called love. River Phoenix's <laughs> final completed project. Don't get me, Stacey. This is we're deep in it now. Um, of course, Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon, and my I don't know at that time, you know, um, spiritual other half, Claire Danes. Mm-hmm. So that hit Indeed. all the buttons for me then, and 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 continues to. So. When I heard this was happening, I had mixed feelings mm. because I I remember sure. crying in the theater. I remember getting the um, VHS and it was Disney, right? So it was the bigger, like it came in that big gaudy one case like the cartoons did. Mm-hmm. that doesn't mm-hmm. fit on the shelf. Right. Big puffy case. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I... You know, watched it, watched it, watched it. So I was like, "Ooh, I just don't know. And so I hesitated a little bit. I didn't see it until um, this week. I went Thursday at 6.30 p.m. And I was like, y'all, I'm going to have this theater to myself. I'm so excited. I had my <laughs> had my wine in a jar. I bought the kids pack, which I like to do because I like that amount, like the handful of popcorn. Um and then everyone else came to the movie. <laughs> but it was also a very small theater. And so the phenomenon that happened literally four times was that I was in the very back in the middle. Yeah. Two people would come in and they would sit in the middle of the stadium seating. Realize within 30 seconds that that was much too close because it's a tiny theater. Yeah. And come back to either my row or the row in front of me. So by the end, I was surrounded by people, but the theater was only a quarter full. (laughs) Um, But yes, I will stop there because otherwise I'll just be telling you what I think of the movie. But um, that was a short story called Island is One of the Little Women. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, speaking of viewing experiences, I got a call from our mother this afternoon who happened to be in town and said, I'm thinking about maybe I uh, catching a movie. I think I think I have time to get to Little Women. Should I go? And I said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so our mother saw it, uh, saw it today. Fabulous. She'll be yeah. ready to listen. She will be. Um, yeah. Speaking of ready to listen, <laughs> Tobin, I'm ready to listen to some film history. Well, let me give you a few pieces. Uh, the first is that uh, Greta Gerwig, the writer and director of this movie, who's already been mentioned, uh, she has talked about the film having been in the make in the making for decades, like ever since she read the books as a as a kid. And then uh, she has wonderful things to say about how Joe March was uh, such an inspiration to her as a as a kid. And then Louisa May Alcott became a real inspiration for her as she became as she got older. And um, so the she drew on a lot of Alcott's writings outside of Little Women, the other books in the series, as well as apparently some of her other writings to, you know, to, to, to draw on to, to write this script. Um, one quick interesting note for all you screenwriters out there. So the movie is nonlinear. We jump back and forth in time. And to make that clear on the page, she wrote the. The, I think it was the sections in the past. I think the which, and this is unusual for screenplays. She wrote that with a red font, so it would be very clear as you were reading the script when you were in the oh. past versus in the present, which I thought was pretty was pretty cool. Uh, the last thing is that the production the pro- design team uh, built uh, as the main house, the March House, 
Um, they built a replica of a place called the Orchard House, which is the historically preserved Alcott home in Concord, Massachusetts, thought to be the model for their for their house in the book. So they just like basically rebuilt that house um, across from an old mansion that would serve as the the Lawrence the exteriors for the Lawrence House. Um, and I uh, found this great spot where there, were, there really was the pond nearby, so they they could do all their exterior stuff there, and and some of the interiors. Re- all in the where they could look across the field and hmm. see the other house as opposed to having to just imagine that and then uh, which I thought was pretty cool and also instead of just finding a house that looked right like they rebuilt her house <laughs> and uh, I thought that was pretty cool sure Iceland. very interesting thank you yes Iceland, would you please take us through women involved in major roles in Little Women I would love to I try to look ahead to see if they're going to be tough names, and I didn't this time. So let's see what I think comes you, out. It, it's going to be. I don't think this is going to be so bad. <laughs> I think I'm good. Okay. There are a lot of names though, which is a good thing. It's true. I love it. All right. First, writer director Greta Gerwig. Source material novel by Louisa May Alcott. Actors include Saoirse Ronan. Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern, and Meryl Streep. Producers Denise Devani, Rachel O'Connor, Evelyn O'Neill, Amy Pascal, and Robin Swickard. Casting Kathy Driscoll and Francine Maisler. Set decoration Claire Kaufman. And costume design, Jacqueline Duran. Well done. Thank you. All right. What's this movie about? (laughs) (laughs) The second solo directorial effort of Greta Gerwig, Little Women takes Louisa May Alcott's classic novel and unpacks it in new and resonant ways by flashing back between the March sisters as older children and young adults. In the years after the Civil War, the 20-something Joe March lives in New York and scrapes together a living as a writer and a teacher, while her sister Amy studies painting in Paris. Their oldest sibling, Meg, is married to a schoolteacher, while shy sister Beth experiences a relapse of a devastating illness that ultimately brings the family back together again. The film tracks the heartbreak and joy, the beauty and anguish of growing up and growing apart the sibling bonds that strain but never break, and the monumental struggle of finding your voice and your way in the world, especially as women, both then and now. Aw, did you write that? I, I wrote I wrote the second half of it. Aw. Well, very nice. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. <sighs> so who's going to okay. go first here? I am because you brought it up in the, you've brought it up twice now. Mm. The time jumps. Okay. I want to ask you what you think, but first I want to tell you what I think. (laughs) (laughs) As is our want here. (laughs) It's true, but also because it relates back to my hesitation. So part of it, that was because I know that previous film so well and Mm. and I read the book, but I had seen the movie first. So I don't trust any of my memories of the Mm -hmm. book because Mm -hmm. they're all have Mm -hmm. Winona Ryder in them. Um, For me, as someone who had such a connection with that other film, this really helped because I had expected to start 
when that first flashback started, I had expected the limes and the uh, teacher and the thing, you know, like I expected that to be the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so for me, sentimentally, this was perfect because it immediately got me out of my expectation so I could be immersed in this world. Mm. How did it work for you all? Derek, what about you? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think, uh, like, like you, Island, I was expecting it to be like the book and the, the 94 movie, just, just linear, just going straight through the story. And I think, you know, as soon as it, it started and, you know, with us in New York, I was, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. (laughs) This, this is different. This is Mm -hmm. interesting. And like, um, no, like, I, I don't think I had it like any like expectations necessarily but it, it did kind of give that like a little bit of an exciting jolt where i was like oh okay mm-hmm. um this is different this is new um and yeah i don't know i'm a i'm a fan of of jumping around in time in in general don't uh don't know if that's that's evidenced by by the last movie i can't, <laughs> I can't want to talk about um but no i just i just like uh playing playing with time and playing mm-hmm. with stuff like that and i think this you know, kind of let the movie make some some fun juxtapositions and mm-hmm. add, add some you know some of that that impact to different to different moments and whatnot. So it, it really worked for me. Yeah, I agree. I think it was very impactful. Tobin, I listened to a podcast called Little Gold Men, which is the Vanity Fair podcast about like awards, like movie and TV awards. Oh. Sure. <laughs> that runs year round. Uh, that's how much of a nerd I am for this kind of stuff. Um, and uh, two of their um, of their reviewers, uh, Joanna Robinson and uh, Katie Rich, uh, reviewers and writers and hosts of the show, went to an early screening and without giving things away, talked about the nonlinear the way it was shot and and worried uh they were a little, a little lukewarm, not lukewarm, but they, yeah, they weren't as warm on the movie because they thought that you had to have read the book to understand mm. the flashbacks, that the flashbacks mm. were some kind of barrier to understanding. So I went in kind of knowing, okay, this might be kind of hard to piece together because I've never read the book and there, it's going to be out of order. And I think it's one of the most brilliant things about this adaptation that, mm-hmm. that she's decided to do it this way. And and I wonder if I was more, if it was easier for me to follow because I was kind of girded for it. Like I was mm-hmm. w- ready to sort of, but I don't think so. I don't think it's hard to follow. I don't think it's hard to mm-hmm. know where we are in time. I think they make it very clear. Um, so I think it was a such a smart way to get, um, to sort of open the characters in a way. And I, mm-hmm. I again, I've not seen the, you have to tell me, uh, the 94 version, the more linear version. I'm not seen recently, but that this makes Amy's character much easier to understand, apparently, sort of, or to sort of empathize with. Yes. And I'm curious to hear you talk about that because you you would have more experience with with that because I thought she was wonderful in this movie, and I, I it's yeah. hard for me to retrofit how it wouldn't work if it was linear. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you so much for bringing that up and giving me this opportunity, because <laughs> here is where we get into truly the depth of of how this story is part of my life. Kirsten Dunst, who is near my age, plays young Amy or baby Uh Amy, you know, tween Amy, who burns the play and this and that, and like is really in that version, really irritating and 
like a bad, <laughs> bad guy, kind of. Yeah. Um, and then it switches to Samantha Mathis, which is great, but is just, she's very cold, I think, um, in my recollection of it. So I think having the same human is really helpful. Having this human was amazing. Yeah, I did not expect to go in, um, or I did not expect to come out so appreciating uh, Amy's story and and rooting for Amy because mm-hmm. I had never before. And here's how much I'd never rooted for. And and you can cut this out if, if there's no payoff here, Tobin. But okay. <laughs> I believed in Santa Claus for a really long time. Yeah. And like the a last really year. Long, yeah, like a really, really <laughs> long time. And I had asked before in grade school and mom had always like sort of pushed it off and, you know, you you were very good about keeping it alive and whatever. And finally, in the, um, the winter of 1995, I was in the car talking to her and I was talking to her about something for Christmas. And then I made a comment about, well, Santa might do that. So this and that. And they were just like, she didn't react. So I was like, mom, uh-huh. for real, is there a Santa or is there not a Santa? And then she told me that there was that, you know, Santa's made up. And I was devastated. And I went home. And I had had the VHS of Little Women since it came out. And I always stopped it when Lori proposed to Joe. I never watched the last third of it. Because I just stopped it and pretended they stayed together. And that night I thought, no, now I'm an adult. (laughs) Things don't work out the way you want them to. I will watch the whole movie and I will watch him marry Amy. And so it changed because I, I really literally ne- never watched the end of the movie until that point. But once there was no Santa Claus in the world and there was <laughs> the magic was over, I figured, yeah. why not marry Amy? Who cares? What is this all about? There is no Santa Claus. Um, in this version, I had. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. Each sister has a an arc and a and a sort of struggle and a moment. I, I feel like I know them all better, and I can identify with them each in different ways. And and partially, I think it's just because I was a child when I watched the other one so many times. <laughs> but um, but I I don't know, Derek. You've seen the other one most recently. I it's very much Joe's story, and not that this isn't Joe's story. But, um, but yeah, the 1994 one doesn't really give room to explore the worlds of the other three in the same way. Mm. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I felt like watching this one, I, I understood a little bit, a little bit more who all like, who like all of the sisters were and like Mm -hmm. who they were to each, like each other, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really important because I think there's there's very clear like like a, a difference in dynamics between like Joe and Amy and Joe and Beth and like right. Beth and Amy, like how all of those work together. And I think you could really see like Gerwig like paying attention to that and trying to give mm-hmm. like every, everyone their room and their due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They all seemed so alive in this movie and alive to each other in a way like the, the, I, I, to, to be, Perfectly candid. I spent this movie on the verge of tears from basically the beginning <laughs> until the end. And I'm an easy cry. I, I'll, I'll give you that. But this was like, it is sort of like 
pulled my heart from my chest and was like mm-hmm. beating it for me in some way. And there, this, there were scenes where they were all together and Gurig was allowing them to speak not, or, you know, encouraging them to speak over one another. And, um, you, you know, I, it was hard to tell what was maybe improvised in the moment and what wasn't, but they all felt like they were real living, breathing human beings. And they, and they, you know, could be, could be really, you know, terrible to one another and really supportive of one another. And it all kind of in the same, in the same moments, like I felt that that house felt so alive. I wanted to go live in that house mm-hmm. with all of them. And it was such a feat, I think of, of the, both the script, but also the direction and the performances to be able to feel like it was all. So, um, uh, it did not feel sealed off and hermetic at all. Like it felt mm-hmm. very alive and, and of this moment in a way that a lot of people give lip service to, um, period pieces like, Oh, it felt like we want it to feel like today. This really did feel like, right. you know, mm-hmm. it was modern, which of course it was at the time, right? Like no one thinks they're living in the past. They're all, they're all living <laughs> in the moment. And so this really, this really right. felt that way. And I thought that was wonderful. No, I agree. I think there's something um, costumed about the Winona Ryder version. Mm-hmm. That I didn't feel, for instance, I kept thinking, God, I want one of those sweaters that's just like a scarf that crosses your chest. <laughs> right? But I didn't think I want a piece of that costume. Right. Uh-huh. It was uh-huh. all, like, like you're saying, so vibrant and real. Um, I got such a solid to use the word juxtaposition, which made me think of the uh, March house versus the Lawrence house. Mm. And and I, without it being overbearing, I thought they played with that enough times that it was really, you know, this wild, sort of like a wild flower next to a cultivated rose garden. Oh, yeah. That's and like, well which is, which is more beautiful? Like, neither. They're just sort of different. Um, mm. But like, I forget what exactly had happened because many tragic and treacherous things happen but when the three the tutor mr brooke um laurie and and the grandfather lawrence were all in the house together and it was all the women and then all and then the three men Mm -hmm. and it was just like oh wait oh there's men in this right right (laughs) and there's men in this house like (laughs) that's odd um that wasn't a good thing to say other than just I liked the back and forth and that, it, you know, most often they're in their own spaces. But then occasionally you get, you know, Grandpa Lawrence over here or then when Beth goes over there, which is, you know, where I, I was led to believe one of the most difficult things she could do to walk over to this giant house yeah. and talk to the scary mm-hmm. man. Right, right. Um, it just got, it's just perfect. I'm sorry. There is one thing I didn't like, but like this movie is perfect. So <laughs> um, Derek, are you as high on this movie as I am? Is this a perfect movie or, or where does it stack up for you? And I'm also curious about Grace's feelings given her, her love of yes. the 94 version. Oh, oh goodness. Gra- Grace has, has, has some very uh, divisive feelings <laughs> about, about this movie. She, she is, I think, very much a, a, a 94 uh purist oh wow okay. uh, so there 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 there's some some tension there's in the room house for all of us in 2020 absolutely um but no i yeah god i i loved this movie um i i was just blown away by by the the 
sets and the the, the costumes and just the the energy. It's what I think is one of like one of the most like joyful movies I have ever seen. Where mm. like like many many sad things happen, but there's just like mm. a jo- the the opening dance in the um, the beer hall mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. Like, totally like, blew me away. And then I could I could have watched the scene where Joe and Lori dance around the outside of the house. I could yes. I could watch that scene for half an hour. It's just it's beautiful and there's just so much just just joy in it. And you it's one of those movies where I feel like you can tell like everyone making this movie had a very good time making it. Um and that just feels I feel that that comes through very strongly. Yeah, I this is I've described this to people as and this only really makes sense if you if you know how how I feel about this other movie, but I've <laughs> described this as the Paddington 2 of 2019. Whoa. <laughs> I feel like this this movie contains the same kind of spirit of of generosity and joy and but but not in a way that um doesn't truly feel the the pain and the mm-hmm. loss and the you know like it, it's a, it's a movie that is as interested in in all of those things for all of the characters some of the people who've had who've critiqued the movie have talked about how it feels a little overstuffed somebody mm-hmm. said uh, on a on a podcast well maybe it should be it should have been like a six part miniseries which it was in 2017 on PBS like <laughs> would not not be a new way to do it and i can understand what they are saying, I didn't. F- it didn't feel overstuffed to me. It just felt brimming, like it felt full. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't. I didn't have a problem with the pacing. I kind of never didn't want the movie to end, which is maybe what they were r- really saying. <laughs> like I didn't uh-huh. want it to be over. And we will. We do have to talk to about the end later. But I, I want to circle back to something else. Something that you said, Aislinn, that really struck me too, which is that we 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 spend so much time early in the movie with these women that then when that when men are introduced it feels weird yeah um in in mm-hmm. the way that reminds me of of uh of wonder woman where when the when they're like we're in the you know he shows up and we're like oh yes. wow, wait what's this this feels odd you don't <laughs> you know? belong here <laughs> yeah. and i thought that was such a wonderful and kind of sneak sneaky is not the right way to say it that sounds you know, uh, bad, but um, K- uh, canny way to do that, where we've been sort of acculturated to this group, this family, mm-hmm. and then then the, the other the outsiders feel like outsiders right. until they are until they are brought in in various ways, which is also a cool process to see. I, I yeah, I, absolutely. I think it also helps for me to um, illustrate some of the the power dynamics in general, mm. but also sort of of the time. And of course we're, we're at, we would have to add class on top of it, um, you know, to really talk about it with, with the two houses and the, you know, the three men in the suits and the, and all the, and all the women, right. you know, throwing together everything to stay warm and all that. But um, <laughs> because there wouldn't have been like, it would have been a special occasion for all, you know, for them to visit the other or, you know, the, so much, so much of their world and, and it's cute in the, um, in their club, the scene in the attic when the four sisters are dressed as men and have, mm-hmm. are having, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't remember from the book if that's based on their understanding or, or their fantasy of like what men do in social clubs, like cigar <laughs> clubs. I, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like I, totally, they totally. just made it up. But even in that scenario, you know, it, Meg was like, no, we can't have a boy here. 
um, like that would ruin it. <laughs> Which, like, agreed. Um, but yeah, I think so. I I think the I'm giving it a lot of credit. I think um, the movie is smart. I think Greta did some of that on purpose mm-hmm. because there's so much they show so much of the of how the gender and power are um intertwined and everything and i think that's another Mm. another a huge aspect of amy that was not made clear in the 94 or or maybe just has stronger colors in this in this one that we see that moment that aunt march explains things to young amy yeah Mm-hmm. But we see that I think after maybe she explains things to Lori, but right. we, we see that, that she, that in no uncertain terms, she's been told she's, she's the one that, mm-hmm. that has to um, save the economic situation of the family. And the only way to do that is by getting married, which seems so antiquated and yet, if I can be a little provocative, mm-hmm. um, the school where I work, we have a lot of students that are um, DACA students or otherwise undocumented students. Mm-hmm. And um, I talk to young women regularly who understand that they're only, and I put safe in quotes, sort of course of action to be able to stay, to be able to work, to be able to contribute all that fully in society is to get married. Right. And so antiquated backwards, what have you, we're not that far on some of these issues, which is another reason I was also crying through most of the movie. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know that that's the political statement Greta was making, but that was, that was what I got out of part of it. Some people have criticized the movie for criticizing again is maybe too strong a word, but they've they've objected to the um, what they felt like some contemporary um, uh, editorializing, mm. th- citing that Amy speech in particular, and also the one that Joe gives where she talks about she ends with her saying how lonely she is, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, uh, which is, that was when my panic attack started, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> both, both wonderful speeches. And well, of course, both of those come from Louisa May Alcott's other writings. Like they, right. these are not oh. like, she's taken this from other things she has, she has written. They were of the time. It's just, yes. as, as Greta says, Louisa May Alcott was of today. Then, right. <laughs> like, sure. you know, we things have not have not progressed, right? Like, sure. we think we we you know to 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 say she was ahead of her time, she's ahead of our time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that was it, it, it's a, it sort of puts the lie to this idea that it's that's Greta Gerwig making that choice. She is, of course, right, because she's right. choosing what to include. highlighting it, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But it's still it, it it all springs from that from that source. And also, let's credit, of course, the author, but then also. The rest of the women at that time, many of whom absolutely understood what was going on. Right. right? right. It's the right. it's the it's the privilege that makes things invisible. So likely Lori of the time had no understanding of any of that. That right. rings true in the same way that, you know, folks with that um, collection of identities uh, wouldn't think twice about X, Y and Z scenarios where when you're the. Um, marginalized it's all there you see the matrix so I don't know I haven't read any of that but I would have some comments for those folks because (laughs) don't don't yeah don't make it seem like 
we were all just wandering around thinking everything was fine. We knew the <laughs> score, folks. We still do. Uh, Derek, do you is do you have a favorite? Is there a favorite scene or sequence that you have in this movie? So yeah, um, well, I, I already talked about all the dancing, which is just fantastic. But I think, <laughs> I think honestly, my my favorite sequence is towards the end where Joe gets inspired to write the book that will become Little Women, and mm. we there it's just it's a long sequence of her you know, writing and drafting and kind of putting the book together. Um, and I I just really loved that moment. Because this is throughout the movie, too. That moment really gave, like, due respect to how hard writing is. Which mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of movies about writers don't. I feel like there's mm-hmm. a lot of, I, you know, a lot of scenes in a lot of movies where some you know writer suddenly inspired and they sit down and it, it seems as though they have written the book in like an afternoon there's <laughs> this flurry this flurry of inspiration and they just get it done and like oh it's perfect but i feel like this like and this is i think to to gerwig's credit like really gets down into like the the nitty gritty of like you you see like the ink stains on joe's hands and you mm-hmm. see like as she's writing you see her like pause and like shake out her hand because it's it's cramping up um and just like especially you know at, at that time when we did not all have <laughs> computers that had to just write everything right um, right how just how hard and how like like physical and how much like like work goes into actually writing and like you know we see joe get rejected we see her stories get critiqued and edited and so just as as a writer i I really appreciated like the care it took to show like, no, no, this is like, this is something she has to, to work at and make happen right. and something she earns, you know, something she puts in a lot of work for and deserves, you know, all of, all of the credit, all of the, the royalties um, <laughs> and all of the, she owns it. all the prestige where she owns it. And I, I, so I really appreciated the, the care that was put into that sequence. Isa, what about you? Do you have a favorite scene or sequence? That's so hard. Like a, I know. <laughs> a little bit, no, because I do think it's perfect, and and it, like you say, it is brimming. And I just I want to stay kind of on the edge of of that mug of hot chocolate and not pick it apart. However, yeah. just to highlight something and to keep talking, um, as I want to do, I would say because it was new. To me, in this, the um, the all all kind of three or four scenes of the storyline of Beth and the piano, Mm. Um, particularly when she goes over and plays, and he's behind the stairs, and she doesn't see him there, and then when he can't come into the house, yeah, yeah. And I think it's no, again, no disrespect to 1994 or Grace, um, <laughs> but because it was, it was so Joe, Joe centered, Joe centered, um, we knew Beth played, we knew that was, you know, a, a, a part of her identity and a part of her role in the family, but it, this really allowed their relationship, you know, between the master Lawrence and, and Beth, um, and the two families. So I, I, I think because that was new to me that, um, 
that really stuck out. What about you, Tobin? I mean, the, the, all of these. I was going to say that um, he, he, Mr. Lawrence's inability to come in, come into the house. I was going to say the dancing is out around the outside mm-hmm. of the house with uh, with um, <laughs> Timothy and Sersha. Um, but since I since those are taken, yeah, uh, and there are so many to choose from, I guess I would say there's a scene. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> Jeez, there's a there's a scene. I think it's after the uh, book has the manuscript has been burned, um, but I can't remember. I think that's I think it's then when um, Laura Dern uh, as the mother is talking to um, is talking to Joe mm-hmm. and about how she hopes her like some spirits aren't, aren't how does she say it? Some spirits aren't meant to bend or something like that, mm-hmm. um, that she just affirms, like you get to be you and <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I can't be you and you can't right. be me. Right. She's like, mm-hmm. she's trying, Joe has, has expressed that she's trying to curb mm-hmm. certain instincts that she has in order to be, I guess, more ladylike in, in quote unquote, in, you know, like to fit the mm-hmm. mold that has been modeled for her to do so much for others. And, and her mom saying, no, you know, it's okay. Your, your job is to go be you. And right. I, 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 she, she says, she says, Laura Dern's character says, she says, I'm mad all the time. Oh, Mm. I love I love that. And line. I just I love yeah. that oh line so much. God, yeah, that scene too. is just so mm-hmm. so so good. So that I get now I, think I that remember be that. Yep. I hadn't remembered yeah. that till you said it. But um, as someone who has a mother who is much nicer than I am, I also <laughs> like that. Very, it was very much yeah. I love. It. I I mean everyone, Laura Dern, all that. I guess. For a second, should we talk about Timothy? Yes. Well, I was going to say we should. I I think what we should do, it would be, it's impossible to, I think, or maybe unfair to say who's your favorite of the March sisters. So I don't want to get into that. But I'm sort of curious what your favorite supporting performance is in this movie Mm -hmm. of the people who aren't the sisters. Because I think that's a harder um, nut to crack. Again, not because... Like just because they're so much, everybody gets so many good moments and does so well with them. So maybe that leads us to Timothy. I don't know. Do you, do you, do, you, do you, either of you have a favorite supporting performance in the movie? I mean, obviously Meryl Streep is fantastic, but I think she's also, it's almost an SNL sketch of a Meryl Streep role. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, um, it's not, yeah. and I'm not trying to belittle it that way, but it's just so, of course that would be of course that would be Meryl Streep. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to go Laura Dern. If that counts, or is that yeah. not because she's also a March? Yeah, no, I think that counts. Yeah. Um, sure. But absolutely I mean, the way that she is well running the household with the um support staff as well. But um you know, like you had pointed out, Tobin, she loves them all for who they are and encourages them to be kind and come back together and those things. And there's some, you know, it's not always, I think that role could have easily been much more um, kind of one note, but you see all Mm. the, there's such dimension in it, the way that Laura Dern plays it um, that I mean, she was my favorite. Derek, what about you? Do you have a, a favorite supporting performance? Yeah. I think I think I gotta give it to Laura Dern too. Like, like I think Chris Cooper is up is up there. It, yes. If like only for the scene where he can't go into the house. Like, man, that is 
that's just something else. But um, no, I I really think Laura Dern does an, an amazing job of being that character who like, you know, when she, when she says that line, when she says, um, I'm angry all the time, like it, it's kind of like, I feel like we're really like with Joe in, in that moment where like, I don't feel like we have seen Laura Dern be angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And we're like a little, right. <laughs> and we're like a little confused by it. But like, you know, of course she is being like a mother to these girls and like trying mm-hmm. to, you know, do her best while Bob Odenkirk is, is off fighting the war and trying to keep and trying <laughs> to keep the peace and be a good role model. So of course she's, you know, crying on her walk home instead of in, you know, mm-hmm. in the house. Um, and, you know, I think about like, like, like an understanding I am coming to with like my, my own parents right now. We're like, my parents were, my dad's retired now, but um, we're both social workers for like upwards of, you know, 40 years. And hmm. they like, I am just now starting to realize like, Oh, like they saw some shit. <laughs> Right. And right. With them. right. And like all my entire life, I never saw that. I never saw like mm-hmm. the like the burden of that or like whatever they were feeling about that. They really left that at the door. And I feel like that's like what you can see, like like Laura Dern doing in this mm-hmm. movie is like having having all that, but leaving it, leaving it off screen, leaving it outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I think. I, I love that performance. Yeah, having having it all there, um, but also getting shit done. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm angry all the time, but also th- these, all this stuff has to happen next. So, yeah, you you all know how I feel about Laura Dern. Yeah, um, exactly. we have, we have when, shirts, I, when I, the first time she came on screen, I was like, oh, Tobin. <laughs> uh, a, a gift arrived for me um, at, at the end of 2019, before I had seen this movie, um, a gift arrived in the mail from uh from derek that was a from the the, that company girls on tops which does Mm -hmm. um right uh uh t-shirts with the names of of female filmmakers on them uh and then the proceeds go to uh go to sort of support women women in film and so he (laughs) sent me a laura Dern one yeah (laughs) uh which which i happily wore to my last day of uh, a senior project class last year last uh, last <laughs> semester I, I, to, to much, I too much a, acclaim i bought a shirt the same shirt for myself <laughs> oh do you go twin shirts so so i i i you know obviously will second <laughs> or third i guess what you're saying and then and the love that she she delivers that speech mm. in a in a whisper so much of it partly because they need to be quiet but like to hear her say i'm always <laughs> i'm always mad in a whisper is so cool uh, so so like effective she because she's also like containing it right mm-hmm. like it's illustrating mm-hmm. the, the containment um i will say that last our last episode of our of our podcast about frozen 2 by the time i was editing it i as i was putting together the the podcast before i had started editing the actual actual discussion i started to cut together a little bit at the beginning where it's little clips of the movie which which run at the beginning of our shows and um i (laughs) having seen little women and knowing we were doing it next had 
completely completely blank that we had just recorded Frozen 2 and I did the intro to this episode <laughs> and, and searched for that clip because I wanted to have that. That's how much I like that. I like that clip. I though I do want to say one more thing about Chris Cooper because I Chris Cooper in this movie, I, I'm I kept like thinking, is that Chris Cooper? That looks like Chris Cooper. But he's so kind of done up in, in mm-hmm. hair mm-hmm. and makeup. It was kind of hard for me to, to tell for sure. I think his performance is in, in a way that so many of the supporting characters are, but, um, and I'd put Meryl Streep in this, in this category too, but he seeds a lot of ground. Like he's not, it's mm. not at all a showy performance. He, he, and part of it's, again, he's very contained too, right? Like he's very, a very kind of reserved fellow, but he breaks my heart in this movie mm-hmm. with his, with his, those, especially those two or three scenes with Amy in particular. Um, and I just think he does such a nice job of, of, of disappearing into that role and playing it very lightly. I agree, but I think you mean Beth. I just want to be. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. Beth. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Tobin, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I was wondering, as you are also a, a writer, um, there is a, is a moment where, or a scene where um, Joe and Beth are on the beach and um, Beth is is talking about, like like Joe's, you know, saying she's, you know, she's, she's lost her mojo as a writer. She's yeah. trying to like uh, pick herself back up. And uh, Beth says, oh, you know, you just do what Marmy taught us. You do it for somebody else. And mm-hmm. that's that thread kind of goes through where she ends up like essentially writing the book for Beth. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, I was wondering if, if you as a writer um, have, have like, have like a Beth, uh, that you write for or like someone that you um, are, you know, an, an ideal audience uh, for, for your stuff that you're writing. Wow. For. <laughs> Cause I think, wow. I think about this question. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you. Well, why don't you answer first? while I think about it. If you've given it some thought, that's I'm going to have to, th- what do you, do you, do you think it in that way? Is there an ideal I, audience I do, for, I for what you do? do? But I'm going to, I'm going to sound so selfish now after describing that. Cause I, I feel like I really, <laughs> I feel like I really do like write a lot of what I write for myself. Um, uh-huh. Where like uh-huh. I'm, I'm writing the things that like I uh, really deeply enjoy and get like a lot of satisfaction out of and find funny. Um, and just kind of, kind of with the understanding or the hope, I guess that there's probably somebody else who thinks this, <laughs> who thinks this is good. Uh, so you know, I, I guess I, I am writing for myself, but also for like whoever that person um, might be. Okay, so I'm gonna answer, sort of half answer it and then half answer it another way, which is that <laughs> what's what's hard for me is that um, since what I write is is not. M- I don't, I'm not writing a final um, a fi- finished product. I'm writing, you know, movies and TV things that are meant to go through these other media before they get to an audience. And so, I I suppose I am, but I guess I'm kind of writing for a lot of other people to kind of interpret, as opposed to writing oh. a thing to be its own, like to be a finished thing. So I, I don't think of of a, of a I guess I don't in the in that same kind of way. Um, but the I, the, I want to sort of use this to loop back to reiterate and elaborate on something else that you talked about in terms of the movie's take on writing on Joe's writing. Um, we talked about how you're talking about how it's showing how hard it is, like the, 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 what it does to your life (laughs) to to be a writer. And I, and I think not only does it get that right, but she, she spends the first part of the, of the movie as 
you know, selling stories and writing well. It sounds like she's a good writer, but she has not found her thing. She's not found the the thing that sort of breaks her out, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's what what form should she be writing in? What kind of thing should she be doing? And that I really identified with because there is a part of being a writer that is figuring out what you write that other people will want to read, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And will, will ideally will pay for. Um, and and you can't just you know the movie is telling us that that's very important, right? Like economics are important throughout the entire movie for all of these characters. How do they live? How are they going to live the various lives that they want to live for themselves? You know, on their on the, like their own lives. And for for Joe, it's she she's kind of chasing what people what what she's told people want, mm-hmm. and it's not until she maybe kind of as you're saying she's writing for Beth also kind of for herself, right? Like she's sure. she's expressing something that has to come out of her instead of chasing someone else's idea of a thing and that that that's when she finally is able to produce something that's truly her own and i think the movie gets that kind of conundrum uh explores that in a really interesting way my uh first writing workshop i took when i was in uh grad school i took with uh walter kern um who's the guy who wrote Mm -hmm. up in the air and thumbsucker uh the novels those movies are, are based on um and he uh, talked about uh, so, something in, in writing, which was called the moment you decided to become French, uh, which, <laughs> which is the moment in your writing life, usually when you're like a teen, where like you become a writer to like, like, you know, shake off the dust of your hometown and go like, mm-hmm. live, live a more vibrant <laughs> life, be French, in other words. Um, but he said that like, the moment you start to do your real and like best work as a writer is when you go back to that moment and then you start looking at all the moments before that and you start to write about where like the the hometown or the life you were you were trying to be too cool for and Hmm. that's where that's great that's where you start to that the turn starts to happen um in your work i like that that's good so I, I loved your all those interpretations um, because you are writers. Um, and a lot of that had not occurred to me. So thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree that it's, you know, once she writes what she knows and what, what she feels and does it, you know, in honor of Beth, that's when things change and, and all that, but I never thought she was writing the, you know, short story, murdery, gory, whatever it was, salacious, um, because she liked it at all. I thought that was the only thing that she could make money doing. Mm-hmm. And then that's reinforced when she writes this, be- you know, the first few chapters of this beautiful piece and he doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Right. He right. doesn't want it until other women read it. Right. No, right. Um, and I thought I, I was glad that they included that, so it wasn't just like, oh, she's been there all along. Like right. it's still the system was still, and in even down to the negotiation and all that. Right. Like the system <laughs> does not want her to succeed <laughs> in um in this location. Right. But then she does. Yeah. Um. Can I say the one thing that I didn't like? Because then oh, I want to know if you like sh- it. Wait, I thought you said it was a perfect movie. 
It is. But there was okay. there was one thing I didn't like. But okay. what was that thing? I it's sort of like that time, like that. You know, I. You know how you have that test that was an essay test, and you got a hundred percent, even though you know there's a thing you did wrong in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's that. Yes. Okay. Um, the two, the the I don't know letter telegram, the two exchanges that are to camera. She's in. The, she's in the. Joe is in the attic. She's written the thing, and then she turns to camera to say to the Mister. Oh yes, bobble, yes, yes. Bobble, uh-huh. bobble, whatever his name is. Uh-huh. Um, the Trace of that's character. And then he writes, and then to camera responds. Okay, yeah. sure, sure. I didn't. I didn't like that. I didn't hate it so much that I brought it up until just now but i would have preferred it had just been voiceover i to me i don't get i don't get what it was adding so let me ask you tobin as the director in the room what why i i don't know flourish i suppose i don't know way to a way to sort of um because there's no telephone like we're gonna do it this way mm. you know i I don't, I don't know i don't have a good uh I don't have a good reason. It didn't bother me in the moment, but I was just so under the spell sure. of the movie. Sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I can see it does break the, it does break the sort of like, they don't do it enough maybe to make it a motif in the mm-hmm. thing. So right. yeah. Cause there's other people writing to it. Yeah, exactly. It, it seemed like, cause she doesn't do it when she writes a letter to Lori and I don't know. Yeah. It just didn't, it stuck out to me. Um, it's probably just one to get Tracy Letts back in the movie a little yeah. bit. <laughs> just one more. <laughs> Right there. Um, we never talked about Timothy. Well, oh no, we talk didn't. About Timothy. <laughs> I, I get it, and I don't get it. <laughs> I understand that he's very, very good. For me, it's very similar to my feelings about Eddie Redmayne. Oh, God. I see it. I get it. I get that people dig you. I get that you're a phenomenon. Uh-huh. But like not for me, but I don't think he's bad. Let me be, yeah. you know, yeah. he's okay. he's very good in it. It's just none of the um he didn't move me the way that yeah. I would say all the other main characters moved me. Uh-huh. Um and also, he is up against 1994's Christian Bale. The <laughs> I, love of, I mean, he had no chance, yeah. <laughs> right? He had no chance. Um, but I, I mean, so in that sense, okay, now I'm going to contradict myself. I liked not being moved by him because it just wasn't about him. Right, right. Whereas for me, the 1994 one very much was. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that was my, what did, what did, how did, how did Timothy snag y'all? Tobin, if you have Timothy shot thoughts, Tim- <laughs> Timothy thoughts, you should you should share them. <laughs> I think my thought about Timothy is I was going to say what you just said, Aslan, that he that he sort of backgrounds like backgrounding is not a bad thing, but I think that the the thing I liked most about him in this movie was his chemistry with Saoirse Ronan. Um, mm. And if you ever see them together in interviews and stuff, they are adorable to with one another like it's really fun um and that came came across i think again thinking about that dancing sequence thinking about their their scenes together their kind of proposal breakup scene um i think they're really good with with one another and um so i'm glad he was in there for that it's 
I'm I'm less of a Timothy head than other people, but not because I don't like him, just because I'm I'm some people I think are and I have a poster for Call Me by Your Name on my office wall <laughs> in school. So like I am I I'm on the Timothy train. I'm just not sitting in the front sure. uh, front, you know, in first class. I'm in coach. I think my <laughs> I think my only like issue with with Timothy, which is isn't like an issue with hit with him or a performance of his or anything. It's just is uh his his character in Ladybird, which was my you know every all of our first mm-hmm. uh, association uh, with him. I think uh is just is so good at being <laughs> such a dick that yeah. Just, yeah like I can't like uh, once you see it like I I can't unsee it and I respect that performance so much. But it's it's just like it's unshakable <laughs> for me. He just he just exudes that vibe for me, and I I can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Well, he'll have to do some more work you for you then. Really but luckily, people keep hiring <laughs> him. him so. So, yeah. All right. Do y'all want to play a game? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. we have discussed time is truly of the essence in this film so um all of my questions in today's game are somehow time related okay while i tried for a while to make a good game name pun with chalamet i then realized i didn't want the game to be all about him so um i backtracked and we are we are playing with time today so i looked at as we've mentioned in the 1994 version, Amy in particular is played by two different characters because the story or two different actors, pardon me, because the story takes so much time. In this case, we didn't do that. So we have four um, young women who are um, all told a decade apart, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to tell you anything more than that at the moment. Okay. Um, there are six questions, and in the case of a tie, a delightful tiebreaker. Um, I will start because uh, Derek is our guest. Derek will have the odd questions. Tobin will have the evens. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Number one. Which happened first? Emma Watson was born or... Christian Bale played Laurie in Little Women. Oh, oh that's interesting. Um, I think, God, I I think Emma Watson, or I think I think she's a little older than me, so I'm going to go with that one. She was born. I think happened first. Correct. Yes. By four years. Point to Derek. Tobin. Yes. Greta Gerwig wrote and starred in a film called Frances Ha. Which March sister <laughs> could have gone to that in the theater? Emma Watson or Saoirse Ronan? Oh, because was it rated R? Like who's who was the right age? Is that what you're saying? Correct. It was rated R. Okay. One of them... Was old, would have been old enough to go. Yes, um, which one was old enough to go? I'm I'm tempted to say 
Emma Watson because she plays the older sister, but I think you're trying to trick me, so I'm going to say Saoirse Ronan. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, man. And Emma Watson was the answer. Is that, is that sound new? <laughs> oh, yeah. good. <laughs> Having a day. <laughs> the good of this. Dang it. Okay. Um, Derek. Yes. Which distance in time is longer? The age difference between Florence Pugh and Eliza Scanlon or the time between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight came out? <laughs> um, I think... I think uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight is longer. Correct. By one month. Whoa. Derek is on fire here. Tobin. Whoa. Who was younger when they played Laurie? Timothy Chalamet or Christian Bale? Timothy Chalamet. I am so sorry, Tobin. Oh, no. Christian Bale was 20. Timothy's 24. Wow. Okay. He's just a okay. bigger dude, I think. And so he seemed wow. formidable. Tobin is... So at this point already, <laughs> Derek, yeah. you have one, but would you like to keep Absolutely. going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's got to shut me out here entirely. I can do myself um, for the last time because Tobin beat me. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Derek, which distance, again, in time, is greater? The building of the Statue of Liberty or the distance in age between the oldest and youngest March sister characters? So, uh, sorry, I did that completely. Let me. Can I do that again? <laughs> yeah, said that again. Okay. Which distance in time is greater? The length of time it took to build the Statue of Liberty or the distance in age between Emma Watson and Florence Pugh, who play the oldest and youngest siblings? I'm going to go. I feel I feel like 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 back in the day, folks were very industrious. And so I feel like we, we probably built the Statue of Liberty real quick. And so I'm going to go with uh, Emma Watson and Florence Pugh. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, oh. The distance. I get a buzzer. The, oh. <laughs> the distance in their ages is six years. And um, according to the internet, it took nine years to build the Statue of Liberty. Oh, not as industrious as I thought. <laughs> well, it's that's just so, harder. Ever since so quick, yeah. <laughs> Um, Tobin. Yes. This one's for you. Okay. Who is younger? Laura Dern or Bob Odenkirk? <sighs> Ooh. Laura Dern or Bob Odenkirk. Um, I'm going to say Bob Odenkirk is younger. It is incorrect. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk was born in 1962. Laura Dern was born in 1967. Wow, I st I stunk. My so um my <laughs> my uh, sports obsessed eight year old uh, calls when when you're if you if you beat someone by 
tw- at least twice as many points. You mm-hmm. call it um, stink farting them. Oh so God! Hey. I was stink farted hey. tonight on does the that, game. Does that come from because skunked is what you say in garbage? Yeah, I, it, it was kind of a thing that came up as we were as we were playing a, a gotcha. basketball game. It just kind of became a thing. So stink farted. I was stink farted. Yeah, stink-farted. All right, you were indeed. Yep. <laughs> um, now, Derek, you have you have one definitively. Would you like to participate in the bonus question just purely for pride? Absolutely. <laughs> something something I could always use more of. Okay. <laughs> Meryl Streep has been nominated for a million Oscars. True. Which of her... <laughs> Excellent. Which of her Oscar wins... Were all the March girls alive to see? I will give Ooh. you, th- you can tell me, or I, can, I will give you three options. So, so you're, uh, you're asking which were all, all four of, of these, these actors alive to see Meryl Streep win an Oscar? Yeah. Okay. For which? For which? She's had a billion nominations. Yeah. She's won three. One of the wins everyone was alive for. I will give you three options if you'd like. Or if you know it, you get so much pride. No, it's I think I think I know. It's just it's just the Iron Lady, right? Oh my god, correct. Boom. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. I would have not, without looking it up, I would not have known that that was the most recent Oscar she won. That's well, amazing. No, I mean, well done. Coming at me with questions about Meryl Island. I, I love it. So, so good. Um, thank you all for participating. I started that game because in the movie, the only thing that really distracted me was trying to figure out who, what age they all were. Um, and so Emma Watson is the oldest. And then okay. Saoirse Ronan is the next oldest, which is in birth order of the characters. However, so um, Emma Watson was born in 90, Saoirse Ronan in 94. However, then Eliza is the youngest, who played Beth, who is not the youngest, was born in 1999. And Florence hmm. Pugh was born in 1996. So it's really just the, the two younger that are flip-flopped. Mm. And then Timothy's in there right in the middle of 95. Um, Thank you so much for playing my time game. Thank you. It's a great game. Well done. Thanks. All right, folks. Now is the time in our podcast where we assess, we give our final assessment. Is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Derek, as our guest and the winner of the game. <laughs> Put it on the board. Uh, absolutely. What What do you think? Closing thoughts. Oh, this is absolutely uh, a step forward. I think, you know, it, it is telling um, an important story about women, made by women, like a lot, as going back to the beginning of the podcast, clearly a lot of women were involved in major roles. Um, and... Not only is like is that just like a like a feature like the movie is like actually like having a like a conversation about um, about women and women in in writing and you know 
marriage and all, all the and women in art and all these these different things is actually kind of you know putting those those thoughts like very much up front um, and have and having those conversations. So absolutely a step forward. Love it. Tobin, what do you think? 100%. I'm going to echo everyone's thoughts and say that this this is was my favorite movie of 2019 and I cannot wait to watch it again. I never pre-order movies uh because I like to buy them used. I mean, I have a lot of DVDs, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. I I I came home and immediately I didn't even come home. I pre-ordered it from the theater as we were leaving. I I <laughs> I want to support this movie with with money, and I think that it is a uh, is a movie that everybody should see. Aizen, what do you think? Awesome, absolutely, of course, agree. I've said several times. I think this movie is perfect. Um, this story has always been ab- about women and about those things, but I I really love the way um, Greta Gerwig picked out of that things that were so relevant both to and in being true to the story but also to today um so that we can all continue to um uh, sort of ha- like have a relationship with these characters and um relate to them and um i don't know it was really really good and i loved it <laughs> uh, it's so good we didn't even talk about the other guy. Um, I love the, uh, one of the final scenes when she's with the editor and she's got her hat on mm-hmm. and they're arguing about yeah. whether or not she's going to end up with the guy at the end. And so that made that whole scene where they get the carriage and run after him and all that, like that was just fun because that was just, what she put in because she was told to <laughs> um, to sell it and like, okay, sure. I'll give you that ending, but I'm still going to be me. And, um, and yes, absolutely. And the Laura Dern stuff and the growing up stuff, it was just perfection. And I can't wait to watch it again. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, next up, we are going to watch something very different from little women. Um, we have decided that for our next uh, podcast, we are going to watch atomic blonde and uh, come <laughs> a, another period piece. It's um, been on our is, list for a while. It seems like a weird, it seems, I know I understand it sounds weird now, but it's, it's been on the list and I feel like we either got to do it or take it off the list. So <laughs> I said, let's do it. Yep, and I I have seen it, and I don't. Eisen, have you seen it before? No, of course yeah, not. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious. To, I'd be very curious to hear what you think. Uh, <laughs> we're going to watch Atomic Blonde. We'll come back uh, and and listen to our conversation on February 25th. Derek, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I love I love doing this. This is so much fun. We love to have you on. Where can people find you and your work uh, online or otherwise? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at Herrick Deckman. Uh, so <laughs> my, my initial swap. Um, and you can read um, some of my stories in the online uh, and the in the Collapsar, Wigleaf, uh, Ellipsis Zine, uh, Embark Journal. And this uh, is, is very cool. This this just came out. I am part of a an anthology, a physical print anthology uh, called Teacher Voice. Um, which just came out through Malarkey Books. Um, and it's just an anthology of writing 
uh, by teachers. Um, so it's not they're not all, all not everything is about teaching. Uh, some of some of the pieces are, um, but everyone who contributed to the the book uh, is a writer and a teacher, um, and all of the um, proceeds for it um, go back to the press, and some of it goes to to us. There are thirteen teachers involved in the book, so we actually actually make a, a little bit of money off of it so that's pretty cool um that's so awesome yeah no it's 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 really cool it's a a really nice looking book um and like a really cool project to be a part of and i have to say i, I so derek and i have done a little writing together but um and i have to say he is an fantastic writer and you should seek out his the stuff that he has has written that has been published and you should beg him to keep writing the things that he's working on because i mm-hmm. have read pieces of them and i know they're really really good uh so no pressure but anyway definitely definitely uh seek out his stuff because it's pretty cool awesome. i was also gonna give a twitter shout out i hate twitter but i scroll through to find Derek's tweets because <laughs> they make me laugh um, but not in that, like, I'm, I'm going to be funny on Twitter now. It just, it seems so sincere. So, um, <laughs> either you're even a better writer than I thought, and you're pretending to be a sincere person, or you're just a real breath of fresh, um, in the dumpster fire that is Twitter. So thank you. Oh God. Thank you. You guys. That, that, that means a lot. Thank you. Uh, Aislinn, uh, speaking of Twitter, if people want to find you there, where, where should they look? I check Twitter every 36 hours or so, um, and my identity there is at SassyNerdMT. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I'm on that even less. God. I know. Someone asked me if I snapped recently, and I said, no, I'm in my 30s. Thank you. Um, Tobin, how about you? Uh, I am also not on Twitter very often, but uh, but I, I can be found on Twitter at Tobin Addington, all one word. And you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who've joined and continue to support us at the marquee level or above. Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington, we cannot do the show without you, so we really appreciate it. Please become a member today, connect with other listeners, and support our show. We here oh, at The Contenders. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Aislinn. I, I stepped on that. Um, I was I was going to ask if I could do a, a shout-out before we signed off. Oh, yes. Please. Go ahead. I have um, uh, turned my friend Laura onto this podcast. Um, and I don't see her very much, but I see her like every like few few months or so. Um, and the last time we got together, she told me that she absolutely loves this podcast. Oh, and listen to her all the time. So I wanted to say hello to Laura. She just got married too. So congratulations, oh, congratulations, yeah. Laura. You got married. The book can end, right? <laughs> That's a little women joke. I don't mean I don't mean to uh, be rude about your special day. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I also want to do a shout out if that's okay. We could, we should probably just add shout outs to the section. Um, God, now I got to come up with one. You know, right? yeah. I called out um, Sean Flynn's beautiful dog, Killian a while ago. And, and I was right to do that. Cause Killian's a great dog, but also a friend of the show, Shelly Clark um, got yes. a dog, got a puppy this fall named Cheddar. Oh, and I just wanted, yeah, I just wanted to shout out Cheddar. Um, who joined um, uh, the family cats mac and cheese 
<laughs> and so, um, so just always, always That's on the lookout for a cute dog. If you want a shout out on the contenders, tweet me a picture of your dog, and then I'm likely to say your name. <laughs> we here at the Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at cageclubpod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Aislinn Addington. I'm Derek Hackman. And I'm Tobin Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Contenders.